He gets a closer look at the church. Next on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. From Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City, greetings in Christ. Welcome to Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Today, we begin a series simply entitled, A Closer Look at the Church. We'll take a look at what the saved church looks like, what a surrendered church looks like, a suffering church, soul winning, the second coming church, a steadfast church, and a submissive church. As we begin our series, we wanna do so in a rather unique fashion. Today, we wanna read 1 Thessalonians. Not just a chapter, but the whole book. It'll only take a couple of minutes, and we'll touch on the beginning of our outline here on A Closer Look at the Church. But it'll bear great importance to understand what Paul is writing here in 1 Thessalonians. Join us. Here's Pastor Steve Converse with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. This morning, start a little series uh, just briefly, probably two, maybe three weeks. Just taking a closer look at the church, what Christ says about his church and the importance of the church and the local body of believers. I'm going to do something a little different this morning. I'm actually going to read the book of 1 Thessalonians to you. We don't do that very often. Usually we focus in on a verse or two. But I think it's so important to take time now and then to be under the hearing of the Word of God. I can't think of a better way to encourage you and to just model for you what a a church should be and what it should look like. And we find that in the book of 1 Thessalonians. So I'm going to go ahead and read. I'll be reading the ESV so you can follow along in your Bibles and it'll probably take several minutes. So don't fall asleep on me. You know, this is the Word of God. You know, the Old Testament, they made you stand every time they read the Word of God. And and we've already had our scripture reading for the day. I wouldn't be so cruel as to make you stand for the entire book of 1 Thessalonians. I know some of you have physical capacities and would be unable to do so. But I want to just... um, Pray that God's word, the reading of his word, would be a blessing to your hearts this morning out of the book of 1 Thessalonians. And there's a little outline there in your thing, and you can actually go along and follow along. We're not going to hit all these points, but I just wanted to hold the Thessalonian church up as a model church. And the reasons uh, given there, John MacArthur lists uh, several reasons, and I uh, listed them for you. And so you can notice those as we go through, um, as you, you hear it uh, read to you. Now, as we go through the book, you can follow along there in the outline and pick out those different points. Beginning in verse 1, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Spirit. So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. 
For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but also your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, and you know we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict, for our appeal does not spring from error or impurity, or any attempt to deceive. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please men, but to please God, who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with pretext for greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others. Though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. For being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses in God also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And we also Thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But God's wrath has come upon them at last. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly And with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one would be moved 
by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. Just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith. For fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we did for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you were doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity. But in holiness. Therefore whoever disregards this. Disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. And we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. And to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you. So that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God with him will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you. By a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, will, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. 
Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then suddenly destruction will come upon them as the labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you were doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amazing. What an example, what a model for a New Testament church. I mean, this was a church that was a young church. It was a church that was obviously going through some issues. And that's just to say there is no perfect church, right? There just isn't. You're always going to find issues in a church because churches are made up of sinners who are saved by God's grace. Amen? Heard one pastor tell somebody, he said, I don't go to church because it's filled with a bunch of hypocrites. And the pastor said, well, we got room for more. <laughs> Come on in. And that's so true. We need to re be reminded sometimes about the importance of the church. This is the church that Christ died for. The church that he gave everything he had to purchase, to make holy. This is the church that he saved us into. This is the church that he calls us to serve, calls us to be part of. This is the church that he baptized us into through the Holy Spirit. 
It's his church. It's not our church. And the church needs to be healthy. The church needs to be a place where God is honored and lifted up. You notice that when we read through there, it talked about the coming day of the Lord. And I wonder sometimes if we get so caught up in the prophecy that Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back, that sometimes we just kind of throw our hands up and say, well, I just think I'll sit around and wait. What's the use of doing anything? If Christ is coming back, we're going to be out of here, just like it said there. We'll be raptured out of here. So why, why toil? Why work? Why, why do all this? Why deal with people? Do all this? Just kind of relax. But you notice this church was a, a wonderful church. But you see time and time and time again, Paul in a very gracious way saying, hey, we know that you're doing this and that's good. But don't stop. Excel. I want you to excel more. I want you to push on further. And sometimes we forget, we grow complacent in our church. Not just this church, I'm talking about the universal church of Christ. And as you look over the, the community of churches in the United States today, there's so many unhealthy churches. There's so many churches that are focused on things that are not found in the Word of God. There's so many organizations that look at themselves, the churches that look at themselves as a corporation, as an organization. And so they have marketing and they have all these, these things to kind of grow their organization. I'm not saying we can't learn from that, beloved, but we also have to put it in perspective. And we have to remember the promise that Christ promised us that he will build his church. It's not our church, it's his church. And growth is dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, obviously, we need to do things in the process. We need to be sharing our faith. We need to be living holy lives. We need to be having fellowship with one another, praying, coming under the teaching of the, the word of God. But I see today in our communities, there's a lot of busy churches. There's a lot of churches that are doing a lot of things. And a lot of those things are good things. But there's also a lot of unhealthy churches. And just because a church is busy doesn't make it healthy. One writer, when he thought of the church, he was reminded of Noah's Ark. And he said this, If it weren't for the storm outside, you couldn't stand the stench inside. <laughs> That's what he thought of the church. That's a cynical view of the church at, at best. You know what? Part of that is true. There's so many churches that are filled with so many things that are outside the bounds of the Word of God. And we need to be reminded that a church is not an organization. It's far better than that. It's not just an association. It's not a place where you come on a Sunday to try to feel holy, patch up your hard week. That's not what a church is. A church is an organism. A church is a living thing. It's something that Christ birthed. At Pentecost. And we need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded of the simple fact that Christ gave everything he had for his church. And that we're not to grow complacent. In verse 4, or verse 1 of chapter 4 there in First Thessalonians, he says, Finally, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus Christ that as you received from us how to walk and please God. And then he even throws in there, just as you were doing. I know you're doing this. This is good. 
But then he says this, that you do so more and more. See, Paul did not want these believers, even though they were in a model church, they were in a church that was doing pretty much everything right. He didn't want them to grow complacent. He didn't want them to relax. He didn't want them to sit back and say, okay, you know, this is okay. Let's just, let's just stop right here. And sometimes I, I hear things from people, even in our own church, that kind of grease my heart. Not that the church is about size at all. But when I hear things that, well, you know, I, I enjoy our church being so small. I like that our church is small. It just kind of goes against, to me, what the call of God is upon the church to, to spread the gospel, to see people come to Christ. And sometimes it's very easy for us to grow comfortable in our small little church because we know that if we start bringing in new people who are new in Christ, maybe they're a little rough around the edges. Maybe it'd be a little more inconvenient for you to park. But Paul did not want them to grow complacent. I mean, over and over again throughout the letter as we read it, he gives thanks for them. Calls them things like, you're, you're my hope, you're my joy, you're my crown, my exaltation. You're my glory. I mean, he was encouraged with this church. But he did not. He did not want them to grow complacent. They were everything that that little outline says. And you can see it as you read through it and you compare those, those verses to what those, those points are. You'll see that they were doing that. But I want to, over the next couple weeks, take kind of a, a microscope and look at the church. A magnifying glass, if you will. And what makes up the church? And there's, there's different aspects of the church as we know it. But the two places I want to focus in on like a laser beam are basically the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. And the sheep and the shepherd. Because I think that we're, we're blessed in our church to have a very good relationship. But I don't want us to take that for granted. Because nothing... Beloved, nothing can hinder the spiritual progress of a church than an unwholesome relationship between the shepherds and the sheep. That's just very clear. If the shepherds are not fulfilling their proper spiritual responsibility to the sheep and the sheep are not fulfilling their proper spiritual responsibility to the shepherd, the church can never really be what God intends it to be. And it can't break down at a more critical level. Because when you look at troubled churches, and I've talked to pastors who just have nightmarish stories to tell you. You meet them at conferences. And they're going back to a church where they don't know if they, the, the, the board voted him out while he was at a conference. He doesn't know what he's going back to. I've talked to men like that. And I just, I can't wrap my mind around that. Or I've talked to pastors that have major issues, major sin going on in their churches. And because of maybe their form of church government or whatever it might be, their hands are tied. All they can do is get up and preach the gospel. I mean, I thank God every day that we're not a church like that. That we don't have those kinds of issues going on. Not that we're a perfect church. We're not. None of us are perfect. Stand before you today. I've failed this church many times over. And it's only because of the grace of God and the grace of God's people that he allows me to continue to minister. That's just reality. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. 
It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade 5. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.